Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. We're your hosts, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Oh, God. God, I hate this. You got, this is a new Zoom feature. You guys have to approve it now. Okay, cool. I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, the, the new Zoom feature <laughs> where I have to provide consent to a recorded podcast meeting. Uh, well, everybody, thank you for joining us on Compound Performance Radio today. Today, we have with us Derek Akune. Derek, thank you for joining us. And if uh, you'd like to take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners, uh, I think you, your resume would speak for itself. Cool. Um, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, like I said, um, my name is Derek Akune. Um, so a little background on myself is I played football uh, growing up in high school. Um, played four years at University of North Texas, played linebacker there. Um, <clears throat> stuck around on some practice squads for about like a year after I graduated college. So I was on the practice squad with uh, Atlanta Falcons and Dallas Cowboys for a little bit. Um, I, was, I was an unjudged free agent, so I was never like that top of the roster guys. I was going to be like one of those like low-end roster guys. And I kind of decided at that point, like, I didn't want to be somebody's like chess piece. <laughs> anymore so I was like yeah uh, I was things I want to do with my life so um, I just quit playing football um, hung it up uh, started powerlifting after that Power, did competitive powerlifting for like two years kind of on a hiatus from it right now um, <clears throat> went to start PT school in 2018 just graduated about a week or two ago from PT congratulations school. thank you appreciate it um, and yeah I think that's about a a wrap up my background. So I, I just, I was at, um, you did, you competed, I think it was in 2019 at the, the, in Houston at the Texas summer power fest in USAPL. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there cause I had a client competing at that meet mm -hmm. and I think you guys were in the same weight class and he was like, like we were looking at doing pretty well. And then I watched you squat. I think it was like 585 is your last warm up set and it moved faster than my client could squat 135. And I was like, all right, we're going to go for like fourth. Like, <laughs> it's like, all right, we're, 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 we're going to tailor expectations here. <laughs> really quickly at that point yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember that meet that meet didn't go well for me <laughs> yeah it didn't didn't go well but didn't you like what what did you i i don't remember like what did you hit at the what, so like because we do have a bunch of power lifters that listen to this as well mm -hmm. i i think we probably have like out of the seven total listeners i think probably two of them are, are power <laughs> lifters um what would you say and one of them is me um but what were your what were your numbers off of your your best meet um, so I think it, that meet was probably my best meet, Powerfest. Um, I believe I had a 689 squat, uh, 420, 429 bench, I think. And then um, 716 was my final deadlift, I think. Um, going into the meet, I was thinking I was going to squat like over 700 because I like, like four, six weeks before the meet, I like accidentally doubled 705 on squat. <laughs> like legitimately like I thought I like loaded I think I thought I loaded like 60 672 and loaded up like hit it for double and I was like man that was way slower than I thought it would and I posted it and then like the next day Chance like messaged me was like you know that's 705 pounds and I was like oh but said Chance Mitchell yeah he messaged me like 705 and I was like well yeah I'm done so <laughs> <laughs> whoops this is a 30 33 pound miscalculation there huh <laughs> 
That's a mistake I've never made, honestly, I have to say. It's like playing Monopoly when you get the bank error in your favor. I've never once gotten those, yeah. those bank errors. <laughs> and I know people who have. So it's like the same kind of thing for you with the squad. It's like, wow, it was 35 pounds more than I was hoping it was going to be. This is great. <laughs> Very nice. So I, I guess my big question is, especially because it, it, there is kind of a break between your undergrad and, and, and going into DPT school. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of preempted that? What, what motivated you to go down that rat, that, that route and kind of jump into that world at that high level? Uh, um, so it's kind of the question I always get, like I've got like, job interviews or like just kind of in general, like what kind of made me go to PT school? And I don't have like a great, like cool answer. <laughs> um, the answer is honestly, so I went to, an undergrad originally, like I go into the undergrad, had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a computer engineering major the first year and a half I was an undergrad. And um, I'm like first generation American. So my parents are from Nigeria, I came over here um, and they were kind of like very like strict on us, like you're going to do something medical. So <laughs> um, when I was going to change my major, I was like, okay, well, what can I like do that's <clears throat> like healthcare, but isn't going to be boring or like I could actually enjoy doing and I was like I started looking at stuff and I was like oh physical therapy looks like it might be cool and now like 20 year old Derek making the decision like yeah, I'm gonna go to PT school that's what I'm gonna do <laughs> and then um once I got done playing football and actually started like getting like more into like health and fitness uh space and getting learning more about it I was like okay I think I actually made a good decision um I actually really do enjoy it so you just had an announcement the other day about uh, I think you're you're now working with it's gifted performance I think right yes that's correct so what would uh, what can you tell us about what your role with them will be and how did you go about that process of getting that uh, getting that position um, yeah so um, my role is gifted performance also like my official position like description the position is just a, like a rehab coach rehab specialist like return to training specialist in rehab coaching and then also just some general uh strength like strength coaching um so the kind of position will be uh like lifters who are kind of dealing with injuries like specifically kind of like targeting towards power lifters who are uh, dealing with like pain injuries need some guidance um, on how to navigate that injury um kind of do like consultations like an hour consultation kind of talk about what's going on with their lifts um, describe like what's been holding them back and then kind of um, get a plan for them um, going forward like no nonsense like evidence-based this is what's probably going to help you actually get back to lifting not just like a okay well um, you hurt so okay let's do this joint by joint approach and like see okay this muscle's weak this is weak you need to stop lifting and just kind of like getting like a good guide of like this is what's probably actually going to help you get back to like hitting the numbers you want that's some real lifter B stuff, man. Squat you <laughs> oh, yeah. Squat you punching the air right now. Somewhere. No, he, no, he's not. He has a million followers. He does not care. What we oh, say. he does not care. <laughs> <laughs> he does not care. He's selling that $27 ebook to all like million of his followers. He's just sitting there counting stacks. Yeah. He actually sure. lives in St. Louis, so Kyle yeah. was going to go meet up with him one day. I was going so... to book a consultation. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah, how it came about is um, – uh, so Mike Taylor, he's a, a physical therapist as well. Um, he works for the Air Force, I believe. But it's kind of like followed him, started networking, networking with him about a year or two ago. And he also works with Gifted Performance. And I'd known uh, of the head coach for Gifted Performance 
from a couple of years ago. Like, I don't know if y'all remember that quarter squad gang page, but we kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Ryan, he's a coach for gifted performance. We kind of like got came into contact because of that old quarter squad gang page like a couple of years ago. And it's kind of, kind of had like connection with them from that. And then Mike reached out and was like, Hey, I think Ryan would be interested in having you on the team. And then from there, we just kind of talked it out. I mean, that's cool because you're, you're, you're getting into a really good uh, company immediately out of college, which is – especially with what, what it's going to be doing too with it being mostly remote. Like that's kind of yeah. the, the dream because I remember when I was – physical therapy school was something I considered when I was – like I, I injured myself doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in like 2011. And my physical therapist just like basically took me over to the side and like shook me and she's like, don't do it. You're going to hate your life because you're going to deal with all these old people that don't listen to you. So like you, you seem to just bypass the, the, the shitty stage and just go directly into something that you seems like you want to actually do with a population that you actually really want to work with. So that's, that's pretty cool. And that's really lucky. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm still going to have like a full-time job as well, like actual like in a clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But no, for sure. Like having this opportunity presented to me, um, I kind of toyed around with it before I graduated. And then like right before I graduated, Mike kind of hit me up and I was like, well, this is like exactly what I was looking to do. So it was a great opportunity. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the big thing for me is like just looking at, you know, from a, working with athletes perspective, are you mainly just going to be in the physical therapy realm? Are you also going to be coaching from a powerlifting specificity kind of perspective or bridging the gap between both? Is it kind of all one thing for you based on your, your principles from a clinician standpoint? Yeah. Um, so the way it's kind of kind of be structured is that <clears throat> there's kind of this gray area. I feel like with, um, like, like specifically for powerlifting, I feel like there's, a, there's like big gray area, right? Where you have a lot of coaches, or there are some coaches who they are, if you're knowledgeable enough about like pain, um, psychology, biomechanics, and all that, all these things, you could, like your athlete gets hurt, you can make some adjustments, help them out with the injury. And there's kind of that gray area between like what a clinician does and what a coach can do for like a powerlifting uh, athlete who's going through an injury. So um, I'm kind of like trying to like say, like, say, like bridging that gap to where uh, primarily I'll be doing like the rehab coaching. So programming for somebody, kind of coaching them through like how to manage this injury. That'll be the primary, primarily what I'm doing. But then also um, if an athlete wants like actual like full programming, full-time programming, I'll be uh, doing that as well. I think that'll be cool too, because with, I mean, just in the experience of a lot of other professionals that we've spoken to and worked with mm-hmm. is that that immediately builds a lot of credibility with you as that mm-hmm. person who that person will mo- most likely get coaching from in the future, just mm-hmm. because you will have gotten rid of their injury and gotten rid of their issue and w- help them work through it with an approach that's actually based in like evidence and science yeah, that's, sure. that looks a lot like training which I think will be something that's cool because you're not just going to be sitting there going like, okay, well, your shoulder hurts. So we're going to do a bunch of open books and then some shoulder yeah. cars. And then some- <laughs> <laughs> but like low level, like crap. And then, uh, it's, it's funny because those like low level exercises, like I crap on them a lot too. I'll shit on them a lot, but sometimes they are like, it's like the point of entry for somebody. Like maybe somebody is so flared up. It's like all they can do. That's usually not like the actual case, but sometimes that does uh, happen, which is funny. But, um, yeah, so, again, I don't want to, like, try to, like, poach 
anybody from their coach. So if somebody has a coach already and comes to me, um, I'm not going to try to like poach them from their coach or anything like that. Just because I don't think that's like good karma. And that's not, I don't think, I don't think that's right. So you're not going to be titling all of their programs. Your coach is terrible. Pay me this much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I won't be doing that. Um, I hope, I honestly hope like um, this will also give me opportunity to network with some coaches. Cause if I, cause if I ever actually did get somebody and I felt like, man, this programming is bad. They're probably getting hurt. I'd want to like talk to the coach and be like, Hey, like, this is my input. Like, this is my like thought process of like why, like, how this may have like led to this person being hurt or like contributed to it. I'd rather like do that than to be like, Hey, your coach sucks. Like leave them. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a, that's a rare perspective that we have in, in, in fitness now. Cause everybody else is just like, Hey, this is trash. You're trash. Everybody else sucks. <laughs> I am the greatest. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I've, I've, I've been trying to like pull back. I'm naturally like, yeah, like you guys like years ago, I've been like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, well, your coach fucking sucks, dude. Like you need to find a, <laughs> you need to find a new coach. <laughs> um, but I don't like, I don't feel like that's like, it's, it's, Taking that perspective sometimes like feels great. It feels great just to like, kind of like bet and like shit on somebody, but I feel like it's not, you don't usually actually get to a solution or like a proper yeah. like, solution that we're taking that like everything is trash, everything sucks, you suck and like all that. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're not huge fans of the uh, like the green box, the green checks and and red X's uh, <laughs> approach to things. A little under your breath. Oh god, it just <laughs> oh, I needed to hear for that one. Yeah. We're, uh, <laughs> We, we rant on that usually to each other a lot. That's kind of how that, that's the good mm. thing about working with Matt is like, mm. we can just yell at each other about these things instead of like posting things that we're probably going to regret. Cause we've, we've yeah. also done that in the past. <laughs> uh, but, but now we have a much better control over it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's, that's always the big thing that it always comes down to with a lot of the conversations we have, because we kind of, see this world as well, where it's like the, you see a lot of people who, who are using really low level uh, interventions for people who have, you know, 1600 pound plus totals. Right. Yeah. And it's like that, that body weight drill or that table <laughs> test or that respiration drill or, or the cars, pails, mm. rails, whatever, whatever your system is like, you might show some like acute pro like, progress right with without a yeah. stimulus involved in it but but as soon as like we get under a bar we go to pick up a bar or, or whatever we've now changed the entire environment in the context of what we're trying to do from from that perspective and we're probably you know more often than not just going to go straight back into maybe that strategy we're trying to get that person yeah. out of right and, and i think that's just this it's this missing piece that seems really obvious to me uh, typically, but you just never see from a contextual standpoint and yeah. what's going on in this world. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I think, like, I, so one is like a great example of that. I remember um, Squat U, he had a, like his world, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like world's strongest man. He was rehabbing from like knee pain or something. And um, he showed, he was like, yeah, he's like, has knee pain. We're going to, he's like, we tested his like single leg squat. A single leg squat is terrible. Um, so he did all these low level, he did like show all these low level exercises he did to like get him better. And he's like, and now look, he's pain free. But then I actually went and looked at the guy's like page and saw what his training had been like. And yeah, he's those low, low level exercises, but he was still squatting, but just at a scaled back level. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so did those 
lullaby exercises getting better or did just training smartly and not pushing into pain every session? Yeah. Better? yeah we, we just but like chopped off 40, per, 40% of his training load and let him still do some things. Yeah. Like, so what, what like, what's the deal here? Um, and I think part of that comes from, I've talked to like other physical, physical therapists, um, like on my clinicals or just other physical therapists. And when I, when I bring up these things where it's like, okay, these level of exercises we're doing, like, aren't, probably aren't actually helping. Um, they, it seems like the issue is that it's almost like not like a, not a God complex, but I think physical therapists and other coaches, they want to try so hard to differentiate themselves from other people. Mm-hmm. Like physical therapists are like, I don't like, like, oh, if we don't do these things, we're just, I'm just a strength coach. I'm just a personal trainer. If I do, if I don't do these things. And, that's, and then it's like, and that's the case. What's the point of being a physical therapist? And so you see, it's like, okay, if I can do these special exercises that are special to me in like my field, that's setting me apart. And that shows that I did something. They can't, they don't want to accept that. Like, Hey, your role for this person might just be guidance. Mm-hmm. Your role for this person might just be like modifying their training for now. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're like less useful. Yeah. It just like, that's your use in this situation. And yeah. sometimes you aren't useful. Like I'm sure there'll be people well, with like consults I'll do where I'll do a consult and say, like, Hey, this is the guidance. Like you probably don't need me. Just like follow these, like this guidance and you're going to be fine. And that's like the end of it. I don't like, not every person requires an intervention. How do you sell that though? Like, come <laughs> um, on, this is a terrible business model. That you're right now, man. <laughs> it, it, and that's like the thing though. That's, that's the other thing. It is also like a terrible business model. And I think a lot of people will, that I've seen, they'll start off with like that mindset of, oh, well, like, this is what evidence says, this is the best like case practice, but then slowly over time, once they see that like money aspect of it, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, well, they convince themselves that that other thing that they're selling is okay. And it, they like create some kind of rationale in their mind for why it's okay to sell that thing because X, Y, Z, when really it's, Hey, I can make money off of this mm-hmm. and I can make more money doing it this way, but just not like the approach I think is the right approach. We appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely appreciated. And I, I really like the way that the industry seems to be turning with things like this is it seems to be turning a bit more away from all of these just like check boxes and like the green checks and red X's and more to like, well, I mean, if you're in pain, we should just probably do a little less and then just like work on just applying some more graded exposure to get you back into what you were doing originally to just rebuild like tissue tolerance and resilience in the area that was injured. And I think that's one of those things where it's, it's like how I was just saying how it's a really hard business model. But if you have any advice to other people who are looking to, who are like in a similar situation to where you are, what would be some of the best advice that you could give them to help in, like improve client buy-in for that? Because a lot of times clients will come to physical therapists looking for those like specialty exercises or those things that nobody else can do. And the sale there become like having, having like spoken to and like known, known other physical therapists, like the, the sale there becomes very difficult where it's like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe we just got to go do some leg extensions, man. Like your quads are just not that's strong we just gotta just get them get them a little bit better like how do you sell that to uh or how would you like have that communication with the client and what advice would you have for other practitioners i think it's it's a hard conversation and people aren't going to listen to you unless they trust you so um i've had situations where 
like a patient comes in and they have these beliefs that in my mind, I'm like, man, these are like off the wall, not correct. In my mind, like the worst thing you do is the worst thing you can do is like right away be like, nope, that's bullshit. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Just because you're probably going to lose them. Um, so I think it's like a, it's like a balancing act of meeting them where they're at and also kind of like sprinkling in a little bit of like evidence and truth and kind of just showing them like over time, I think you'll get a, a lot more, um, a lot, a lot better results trying to slowly do it over time than doing it at the beginning. So like, like once they've trusted you and you've gotten them some results, um, you can kind of start having a conversation and maybe even like tricking them a little bit mm-hmm. at the same time and kind of asking, um, kind of asking questions. I like to ask questions of people. Like somebody will like say like, Hey, I can't bend over. Right. Uh, or actually no, a great example is like, um, I talked about this in one of my comments is I had a patient who he said he'd been going to like a chiropractor for like 10 years because his hips were always going out of alignment. His pelvis was always going out of place and his chiropractor had to put his pelvis back in place and he would, cause it would cause him back pain. And, um, Sounds After a few sessions, get yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound that doesn't sound natural at all. That's, so after a few uh, sessions of um, like kind of building up a tolerance, showing the different exercises, just kind of showing him that he is like strong and resilient. One day he brought it up again. He's like, "Man, yeah, but my back's been feeling great. I might go to the chiropractor." And I was like, "Well, <clears throat> like I know your chiropractor has been telling you like your back's like your pelvis is going out of place, but like." Like, think about it. I was like, if, you, if our pelvises, like, were that, if we were that, like, fragile to where a, like, thrust from a person could move it into place, move, like, a bone into, and back into place or move your bones, or if just, like, coughing or sneezing or rolling out of bed wrong could move your bones, like, what would happen to football players? Like, you played football, like, what would happen? Like, every time you got, like, tackled or, like, made a collision, like, your entire spine would break. Like, it was, no, like, they're just genetic specimens. They're just, <laughs> they're, just, they're just different. Like, they're not me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, think about that. And he was like, oh, that's, that's a good point. And he was like, yeah, that, doesn't really, that really doesn't make sense. And I was like, yeah. Like that, you start kind of like, I give like people like examples or stories or just like real life examples of like how, like, kinda, versus saying like, hey, that's like bullshit. Try to give them like an example to kind of yeah. like lead them to that conclusion themselves. Yeah, man. They're, they're, they're just be pelvises laying on the ground. They're be a field scattered with mm. pelvises. It would look sure. like Predator just strolled through and spying yeah. all over the place. <laughs> and then um, I'll also say that uh, I'll also tell people that um, you can't help everybody either at the end of the day. Um, so if you have your morals and your ethics that you stand on and like kind of have like a, a line, like for me, like, like dry needling is something that like, I know for sure I'm never going to do. It's just like, I know it's not very... Uh, like sports, not really sport evidence. Um, so I think it's kind of like useless to do. You don't want to just sit there and stab a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You so can use electricity <laughs> with it too. Or you can That's my it. favorite. Is you just put <laughs> electrodes on it if it doesn't work enough. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. But like if a patient like that comes in and they're like, hey, like I want to draw needling. Like this is what I'm here for. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I mean, there's somebody down the street that might do it for you. Like, like and that's just some... And I'm like, I'm okay with doing that. Like, I'm okay with losing that client or that patient because I like stuck to my like ethics, my morals, and I knew that wasn't like the right like thing to do. But also, people have a choice. Like, that's what they want. That's what they're gonna get. Like, they're gonna go get that thing. Yeah. And I would just say you can't help everybody. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to like be able to sleep at night with what you did. And that's kind of like the perspective I take. Yeah. That's a super good perspective too, because that's one that really is very difficult for a lot of people now. To just sit there and like, especially with, with 
with all of us being in the fitness field or in some sort of a rehabilitation field with the year we just went through where trainers and coaches watch their income go to zero. And now they're sitting there going, well, now I have to actually turn down this money because it doesn't necessarily align with the principles and things that I want to have. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's tough. And, and like I said, like, so I try not to like judge people for if they do give into it, but it's hard. <laughs> it's hard not to. It's just, like, like, it's all, it's just kind of where your ethics are at and where you're, uh, it's where you're coming from. Well, and even just, I, I mean, in my experience, and this is probably more for like maybe young coaches that are listening to us who, who might be in a position where right now, like they need to make income and they need to make money where like, I've never in my career had, had a situation where, you know, somebody came in and, I looked down and was like, well, they, they kind of want something I don't provide or I don't really want to provide or kind of falls outside my scope or maybe I took it on anyway that I enjoyed training that person yeah. uh, personally. Like it was never, it was never something that also like fulfilled me because it was out of my preferences and out of my passion and, and bias as well, which for me, I've, I've never regretted referring somebody to somebody else. Like I've never had any issues with that. Typically you can actually, again, like, probably bridge out some referral networks with other practitioners yeah. and other coaches as well. If you kind of take that approach, cause they're going to respect you more as well. Um, cause I get the same thing where I'll get a lot of people who want rehabby based things just based off a lot of my prior content and, and education. I'm just like, man, I just really don't want to spend my days doing that. Like I want to work with performance based things yeah. and, and you know, stuff of that nature. And like, I, literally brought Matt on because I was getting so many requests from powerlifters. And I was like, well, I've never competed in powerlifting in my life. <laughs> and uh, just because I, I have an idea of how a pelvis works probably doesn't actually qualify me to work with you in any way, because I don't have the context of the sport. So I kept just referring people out to other coaches and eventually, you know, came across Matt and it was like, you know, I need somebody like you to come in to actually be able to train these people that keep coming to me um, because I don't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's something my uh, friend and I, Marcellus Williams, he's a powerlifting coach as well. We talk about all the time is that like people will respect if you refer them out or tell them like, Hey, I can't help you. I feel like people, one, like they'll respect that because they'll know that you respect their time mm -hmm. um, and value them. Like they know like, okay, you're not like bullshitting me. And I feel like that is just like, whether that's like going to come back as good karma or come back as like maybe in the future that person sends somebody else to you because they're like, Hey, this, I know this person isn't like full of shit because they like didn't take my money when they could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things is it usually does it, it short term is difficult, but long term it usually pays dividends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference. It's, it's, but it, like this all, that, that part of fitness really boils down to the whole like marshmallow experiment that they did with the children, where if you eat this marshmallow now, you don't get two in an hour. <laughs> but if you don't eat it, you can have two later. And like all of these fitness coaches are just going, single marshmallow. I'll take yeah, that one right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> one marshmallow in the hand is better than two marshmallows in the, in the Right. It's whatever, right. Whatever. Even though it's guaranteed and I know it's going to happen in two hours. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's an interesting industry, you know, and I, I, I think that is it. Anytime we talk to physical therapists, I think it's always interesting to, to hear that 
perspective of the industry, because right now, you know, even like what you were talking about earlier with like titles, right. And what we want to call ourselves and what we do, nobody wants to be a coach. No one wants to be a personal trainer anymore. Like everybody has, you know, I'm a physical preparation director. I'm a functional neurologist, human performance specialist. I'm a human performance (laughs) specialist, you know, or whatever. (laughs) No, nobody wants to just be a trainer or be a coach. Yeah. Like that's, that's no longer like a worthy profession. Mm-hmm. No one wants to just be a physical therapist or, or a performance coach. And like that always bothers me. Matt and I ran into like on one of our last trips, you know, we ran into somebody with a really high profile and they were asking us like what we do. And I was like, I'm just, I'm a coach. And they're like, Oh, you're not just a coach. And it's like, no, no I'm, I'm just a coach. I'm just, yeah. I'm just a coach. Like, <laughs> and, I, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not ashamed of saying that. Like, that's not something that's, you know, negative in, in my opinion, but just even seeing kind of like the bias behind that and the perception of what that is, is always startling to me. I, I think that's also because everybody wants to be an expert now mm-hmm. or, or a guru um, and kind of like having that title, I feel like goes along with having that authority. It's like, oh, look, I have this special. You see with like um, medical professionals or PTs, they'll have like six different abbreviations behind their name. And it's like, what does this even mean? Like, but it's like, they feel like the more like letters they get behind their name, like the more like prestigious or authoritative it makes them look. Oh yeah. I, I've been the acronym guy in the past. Like I've been in that <laughs> one where it's like, it's like, I've got 15 acronyms behind my name. I clearly know what I'm... <laughs> When I, hired, when I hired you to mentor me, there was not enough space in your bio for oh, all yeah. of the acronyms. It was, it was, it was so you just cut out all the spaces and commas. It was awesome. <laughs> it was just one like continuous letter <laughs> alphabet soup throw up. Comment. Literally looked like he had a cat walk across his keyboard. And I was like, I, don't, I can't read any of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and then figure out again, it's like, okay, well, that doesn't tell me like if you know how to, it, it tells me like you're good at theory. Mm-hmm. like you're good enough at theory to uh, well or or maybe you just show up to the seminar and you just yeah you, know, you get the credentials <laughs> yeah. it doesn't actually mean you like passed anything nowadays but mm-hmm. that, that tells me like you're you're a theorist right like show yeah. me the application like show me if you can actually use these things contextually like do you have a process of like differentiating what interventions and what tools you're even going to use you know over mm-hmm. the course of you know the person in front of you and like that's something Matt and I talk about a lot in our groups is like if your training model or your assessment model doesn't actually fit your demographic and, and it fits a system instead, you're probably fucking up. Like that's probably not a good thing. Right. And that's something that is very kind of counterculture to, to what we mm-hmm. see online every day. Cause everybody wants to be in a three letter acronym tribe of some kind. Yeah. Right. We all, we all want, you know, appeal to authority or social status or whatever it is with that. But it's like, you're, you're a FMS guy or an FRC guy or an RI guy or whatever. Right. And it's just like, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm just a coach. And I think like kind of like that, that whole one, like that system approach, but they want like a system. I think that kind of goes into like, people don't, I don't think, I think people don't like operating in the gray area. People don't like nuance. They, they want like an answer. They want like, this is the answer. And I think that's why so many people fall prey to these systems is because these systems promote or advertise that like, hey, use a system and you have the answer to every single problem that walks through your door. Mm-hmm. And now they just, and they just have a system. They just try to like apply the systems to every single person and it 
it's a good way to it's a good way to not have to think too much mm-hmm. they, like it's funny because all these systems will like preach they're teaching critical thinking but it's actually taking away your critical thinking mm-hmm. well it's only critical thinking thing. if you follow our checklist <laughs> 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 exactly <laughs> exactly uh but yeah like, it's not critical thinking like at all and um it's kind of like applying the same brush to every single person but it's also a great way to look like a guru because you can always say oh i have the answer Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have like exact answer and reason for your problem. And I think people are more comfortable doing that than saying like, Hey, like, cause a lot of people want like a diagnosis too, or like, what's the issue. And it's a lot easier to say like, okay, well this is the exact issue or speaking this terminology that makes you sound like you're authoritative and like an expert than to like talk yeah. just like, Hey, um, I think this is what's happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is probably what's happening. Maybe it's not, but I do have like strategies that will help you get to where you want to be. But you sound so unsure of your, <laughs> uh, like I want absolutes, man. I want, I want to know that I've got, you know, a, a problem with, you know, sacral nutation and I've got like mm-hmm. IR issues in my right femur. And that's exactly why <laughs> uh, I've got, you know, I don't know. Pro, prolapse or pronated, yeah. you know, arms. Or right? <laughs> like, my laser eyes can see that you only move your sacrum 0.1 millimeters instead of the requisite 0.2 millimeters. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, I, that's something I, I really love. I appreciate that point because that's something that we've just ran across personally over the last few months is, you know, that like we're, we're in the process of like getting canceled by several acronyms because we, we like had the, the audacity to say like, Hey, like maybe the reason like you're having some pain or some issues is because your programming sucks and your load tolerance isn't where it should be and, and whatever. And it's, and it's not like a strict biomechanical reason or, or something mm-hmm. of that nature. And it, instead it is something that's more complex and more multifactorial from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And the same people with it will say, you know, that will, you know, make fun of maybe like someone like the squat you guy, are going to go ahead and just do the exact same thing within their system. Right. And you just, you see it and you're just like, how do you not see that you are squat you with bigger words? Like what's happening here? Oh man. I've been, I've been seeing that so much with like, for instance, like people will make fun of squat you or make fun of like the compression expansion stuff but then like promote a breath belt or make fun of a breath belt and then like promote the expression. I'm like, it's all kind of like silly. It's just what version of silly are you using? Yeah. So you're just selling <laughs> something different, man. Like, uh, you're all selling. You're just selling something different. <laughs> I mean, I think that, that, that brings us up to our, our only scripted question, which mm-hmm. we usually leave a lot of time for because it, it generates some rants um, and usually generates some pretty good conversation. So uh, we warned you about this before the podcast, and our listeners will know what the scripted question is. Uh, our one scripted question is, Derek, looking at the state of the fitness industry as a whole. Or rehab. What, or rehab. Or industry. rehab. Or rehab. Any, anything, like the fitness or rehab industry. What do you see that you hate the most and that makes you the most, like, what gives you, like, a visceral response of just like, <laughs> oh, fuck that guy. Or fuck that thing in particular. <laughs> <sighs> Man, um, 
Oh, he's loading up a big one. This sounds juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally before the start. I'm still like, just because there's a lot of things. <laughs> list them all. Go for it. Um, Your bio could just be a top 10 list of things you hate. Like, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to think of like, the, like a good one first. I mean, you kind of like touched on like it a little bit. Just, just overcomplicated like bullshit. It's just, you see all these different systems like, like I said, for example, the compression expansion model, um, just different kinds of systems that like come up with like special terms and reasons for things happening. When really, when you like pull back all of the nonsense and look at what they're doing, they're all kind of like doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like at like at the root like base mm-hmm. of it, whether it's like from rehab or from a strength conditioning perspective, like from from a rehab perspective, they do all these special things. Like I talked about squat you earlier, doing all these special exercises or if you try to use the expansion compression model for rehab, at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're offloading the tissue that's irritated, pulling it back and like slowly reconditioning it, mm-hmm. light to load. You can like create all these special um, like theories for why it's happening or what's going on, but 99% of them don't hold up to like evidence or research. Um, great example, honestly, I'll actually get specific with this one, is like with, Ooh, the, expansion, awesome. with, the, with, the, expan- with the expansion compression stuff, when they say like, oh, well, if you lift big, if you get big and strong and hypertrophy, you're gonna like get stiff and lose range of motion. It's gonna re, and I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, like doing the fluid, the fluid transfer is gonna reshape your bones. And I'm like, so it's like Wolf's Law, it's not a thing. Like fuck Wolf's Law, I guess. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, no, like, yeah, the fluid transfer is changing your bone structure. Um, Versus like, look, if you try, I'm like, look, if you train through a full range of motion, you're going to like get that range of motion. Mm-hmm. And a great example they'll always give is now I guess powerlifters, but all the powerlifters are all stiff because the sport is getting strong and big. And I'm like, no, powerlifters are stiff because the sport promotes reducing your range of motion as much as possible to lift mm-hmm. as much weight as you can. You have lifters who every single squat session, they're like in a split or every bench session, they're like in a huge arch. Then yeah, like you're only training, like t- training through like, 30% of your available range of motions, so that's all you're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. It's not that like getting big and strong is going to make you stiff. It's just that if you train in short range of motion, that's the only range of motion yeah. you're going to have. Yeah. And, and when I see, I like that one too, because we've talked about that too. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the correlation causation, you know, argument mm-hmm. where it's just like, yeah, like most power lifters don't move super well, but most power lifters also don't care that they move super well <laughs> and, and don't do things outside of powerlifting that ever promotes like moving super well. And, and every now and then you will get like an outlier who also does, you know, other types of training or something that, you know, it, it's like, um, like we always joke about like the powerlifters that like go into like jujitsu after, after the, it's just like, that's, that's not going to go super well for the first like year. Like that's going to be a little awkward, but probably after like three or four years, like all of a sudden, like they're moving better because now they're in a different environment with different sport or task, you know, task, you know, environment and, and different, you know, kind of sport, sport specificity and levels of variability. And you're just like, yeah, like you're kind of just going to become what you train for at yeah. any point. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, you could say the same thing with like yogis not being strong. Well, it, most of them also don't care about being strong and train for strength. That's not in their interest. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. If that's what they want to do, you know, it's easy to look through that lens. If that's the lens you want to use, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, that's always one of the funniest things that I always see too is everybody's like, well, we got to get these powerlifters to just move better and just be better at this. It's like, why? I mean, you, yeah. have you seen this person do what they're doing? They, yeah. they move like three inches of total range of motion. Like, <laughs> that, that might make them a worse power. Yeah, actually. they're going to get way worse. <laughs> I think it's, they're, I'm pretty sure that their theory is that if they move better, and have like more available range of motion, it will reduce their injury risk. Which I mean, I haven't seen anything to suggest there's, that. That's there's actually. no reason. There's oh, no reason. oh, we've <laughs> actually we actually take bets on this. Yeah. Kyle and I have internal. We internally take bets on this because as soon as we see, um, pe- I don't know. This is this is really getting deep into like the internal workings of compound performance over here. But <laughs> we we see like powerlifters or people who start doing stuff like that and like start mm-hmm. increasing their range and don't recondition tissue to the new range. And we're like, this person is going to tear a quad as soon as they go into meat prep, and it inevitably yeah. happens. <laughs> it's, we're, we're like eighty percent right now. We're like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, funny because yeah. it's like, yeah, like if you're gonna in. That's another thing with like, like you just said, like, yeah, like if you want to increase your range of motion, just squat deeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't yeah. need to do all these like mobility drills, just squat deeper. Like it's not that complicated. Yes. Yeah. yeah, man. It, it's that, that's one of those things where it's like, we see this in all environments where it's like complexity. And this is just basically physics, but complexity never leads to greater outputs. Because the complexity has an inverse relationship with both intensity and volume at a fundamental level, right? So it's just like making these things more complex than they need to be is not going to make you stronger or give you more capacity. It's actually going to just typically detrain you more so than anything else. But you might pick up a few new skills, right? Again, but, but there's always going to be kind of this reciprocal kind of inverse relationship between those things where the more you increase variability, the less you, you know, the more you decrease specificity. Like yeah, that's, sure. that's pretty fundamental across yeah. all environments, you know? So yeah. like anytime we see that, we're just like, like that's, that's a simple kind of just eye test that I can look at any system at, that, at this point and be like, yeah, that's probably going to make this person worse. Especially if they're in a high, <laughs> especially if they're in a high specificity based sport where it's like mm-hmm. variability is not the goal. Like if variability is the goal, that's cool. Like that's fine. We can increase variability to a point, right? There's still parameters, you know, based on Mm -hmm. the task itself. But for power lifters, that's about as specific as you can possibly get. Uh, I think a a great example, I feel like is is CrossFit. mm -hmm. CrossFit, the whole name of the game of CrossFit is just variability. Yep. Like CrossFit, like I I actually, so I recently started doing CrossFit. Yeah, I've sinned. Um, But like, um, with CrossFit, it's just like you have to do like it's just variability. You're mm-hmm. not like it's the jack of all trades, master of none. But yep. CrossFitters aren't really good at any one thing. They're like yeah. okay at like everything. Yeah. And you see it in like their clean and jerk technique, like the Olympic lift techniques, and then just their strength in general. But they're not very strong. Not that great at Olympic lifts usually, but they're pretty decent at everything. Mm-hmm. I think the hate uh, for CrossFit all stopped when people started saying, "Oh, they're just better at everybody than everything." Like unless yeah. you're super <laughs> specialized, they're just better than you. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <clears throat> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, but like that, but that's like the example of it because since they have this have so much variability, they can't get like amazing at any of those things. Yeah, it's like it's like watching Rich Froning squat four hundred five for twenty and then struggle to squat like four seventy five for one. It's like <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But here we are. Yeah, he also, he also just uh, rode like a six twenty two k like 
in the middle of another workout and he's doing, he's doing pretty good right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, that, that's always the biggest thing for me is just, you, you look at that and you see it, it, it just, again, like even like kind of microcosms and other, other sports that require variability, right. Where you just, you'll have, you'll see it in basketball where you have people who are super specialized in certain areas and kind of lack in others. And, they'll find ways to make, make up for it. They'll use other strategies. And, but it's one of those things, like you look at something as specific as powerlifting, it's like, yeah, increasing range of motion and giving that person a larger range of motion that they now have to be able to stabilize and work through might not be the move like that. That might cause more harm than good or decrease their performance more. Like you said, it, we look at like wide stances, wide grips, a lot of extension, just arching things like that. And it's like, everything is done to decrease range of motion. It's not for pec hypertrophy or to activate your glutes more. And it's literally to move the bar a shorter distance because it's super heavy and and people just people, again, it's just like, it's a question of context. Like anyone who looks at it is like, Oh, that's not how you're supposed to bench press. It's like for what? Like, yeah, like that's not going to make your pecs bigger necessarily, but the, it, you move a lot of weight and that's the name of the game and that's how you're scored. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, I feel like that's where like variability and power thing can be handy. I feel like is not like getting just variability for the sake of being variability, but like if you want to like do a larger, a larger range of motion because you want more hypertrophy, mm-hmm. right? So like squatting deeper, getting a more narrow stance on like, venture squat um just you're getting that greater range of motion it doesn't mean doing like a bunch of like low level stretching or other like exercises but actually training hard through those greater ranges of motions to get that hypertrophy and get that strength that range of motion yeah yeah I i remember one one of our guys we were talking about like accessory lifts with one of our like powerlifting groups and we were talking about like the accessory lifts he was doing and he was in doing like a narrower stance like ssb squat and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, but like, like what's loading? It's like, well, that's, I don't even remember what it was. It ended up being like well over 200 kilos for, for reps, right? It's like, that, that's not a 90-90 laying down on the ground respiration. <laughs> like, yeah. we need to actually do something with this guy that, like, gives him a stimulus. Yeah, he squats 800 yeah. pounds. I can't give him a 20-kilo goblet squat. That's yeah, like, this, this, shit <laughs> <for him. laughs> this, this ain't going to work. You, you could. You could do that 20 could, kilo goblet yeah. squat. And then six weeks from now, when his pain goes away, you can be like, hey, look, that goblet squat fixed you. I fixed you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a bonus now, just so, just so you know. Yeah. Well, you don't even you don't even ask for the bonus. You just say you fixed them, and like the the way you deliver that is with a square invoice. Ah. That's just like I fixed you here. Please pay me. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, I think that was. I think that brings us pretty pretty close to the end of what we usually talk about. So, Derek, thank you very much for for taking the time out of your day to join us. No uh, if you would like to be found on social media by the seven people that are listening. Because I guarantee the people that are that you you spoke to today are going to be have some comments for you. Like, <laughs> I don't agree with you because I've bought into this model big time. Um, but if you'd like to be found, where can people find you? Um, so yeah, uh, primarily active on Instagram. Um, I have a Twitter, but it's just like nonsense on there. <laughs> nothing of nothing of concrete context on there. Uh, on Instagram, it's um, at Akune A K U N N E underscore 
Matata, M-A-T-A-T-A. We'll, we'll tag everything up on social yeah. media and everything yeah. too. So they'll be, able to, they'll be able to find you. I'm waiting to get a cease and desist from Disney. <laughs> well, after this podcast, it is in the yeah, mail. You can be sure. When, when you get three more follows because yeah. of this, like it's, it's on its way, don't you Two worry. of our listeners are Disney execs, so you better watch out. <laughs> the, other's my, the other's my mom. So this yeah. is where we go. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. It's fun. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. If you liked this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and drop us a review. We'll see you next time.